This B-Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. Welcome to Changemaker EDU, a podcast that inspires powerful individual and collective transformation by sharing leadership, personal development, and education change-making ideas and stories to ignite people like you to create the change deep within your soul, embody your calling, and bring your dreams to life. I'm your host, David K. Richards, and I share wisdom from my 25 plus years as an education innovator, school founder and CEO, mindset teacher and leadership coach, but also interviewing other diverse paradigm shifters. Join me in our grassroots movement to create lasting impact, one education change maker at a time. Hey everyone, I want to jump on before you get into the podcast episode today and share that I'm launching the Wise Warrior Mastermind, which I'm really excited about because you know when something comes through me, it comes through with full energy and love. And I really wanted to convene a group, a small group of about five people where we can really go deep and create a safe container, a safe environment, a place where you can just be free, let yourself be you. You don't have to worry about bringing any baggage into the group. And we can really focus on these mindset teachings that I have embodied and learned and mastered over the last several years. And I can share them with you and we can work on them together and we can support each other and create some lasting impact and change in your life. So we can focus on how to lead with love, how to live and flow, how to master your thoughts and what belief systems you have and so many other things that we're going to work on together. So if you're interested, please reach out to me at david at davidkrichards.com or you can go to the website davidkrichards.com slash program slash mindset. We're going to get better together. We're going to learn. We're going to grow. And it's going to be a a small number of us. So if you're interested, please reach out as soon as possible because we don't have that many spaces. All right. Enjoy today's episode. Thanks. All right, everyone. I just had a great conversation with Amar Kumar. And as always, I wanted to ask him, you know, what he thought were some of the highlights. So as you're listening to the intro, you can decide if you want to keep listening. What do you you think, Amar? Uh, I think uh, three big highlights from this episode. One is talking about what we believe in for the future of education and how can it become more personalized and how every child deserves more attention. The second highlight is around parents and the choices that they're making around learning and how that's transforming. And if you're the parent of a child who may not be 100% happy, thinking about what alternatives might be available these days in your community. And then the third highlight was around educators, teachers, principals. We know the vast majority of them are quite unhappy. And so what new options are existing for them through alternative education pathways? 
Yeah. And I'm so pumped about this conversation because I've been thinking about think, you know, a solution to hybrid learning and hybrid meaning like an in-person with the, the amazing ability to scale like online. And so I told the story about, you know, having, finding a, a great teacher that you could bring online and then having the in-person community. So I've been thinking about this problem for years and I feel like you, you have a solution that seems very viable and awesome and you're testing it and you're doing it. And so we learn a lot about Kaipod learning. I get all my questions answered about like, wait, is it a micro school or a learning center, or a little bit of both. And so we get all that cleared up and it's a, I have an entrepreneur in front of me. And so you're going to get a lot of good information about how to think about a problem, how not to ask the wrong questions, how to ask the right questions to solve problems. And so if you're interested in starting a micro school or you're interested in, you know, finding a different option for your child, I feel like this is a great episode to listen to. And if it's not this particular organization, there's other ones in your neighborhood that you can find. So great conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here today with Amar Kumar. How are you, my friend? Very well. Thank you so much for having me, David. I always like to start out and just ask the guests to share a little bit about themselves so you can introduce yourself to my audience. Yeah, thank you for having me. I am a lifelong educator. I've been a school teacher. I've been a school principal. Uh, it wasn't my first career, but it is my last career. Um, and it is something that I am just incredibly passionate about. You know, for me, seeing the spark in a child's eye when they finally master something or they understand how it's useful, that's what just fuels me every day. And so I've done a lot of things in education, including, you know, being in a school building. Uh, I was also the head of product for a large online school um, that served more than 400,000 kids nationally, actually globally. Um, you know, really got to understand education. But now my current role um, is as founder and CEO of Kaipod Learning. So I'm excited to talk more about that. Okay, that is an awesome quick introduction. Good job. <laughs> it gives <laughs> us everything we need. And now we can jump into the conversation. So I'm really curious about Kaipod Learning, obviously, and then kind of how your previous work led to this and all that. And I'm sure that we'll get into that. But yeah, tell us about Kaipod Learning and, you know, how you decided to, to start it and, you know, what's the story behind all that? Yeah. So before the pandemic, um, I feel like an education is always before pandemic and after pandemic. Isn't yes. it? Before <laughs> the can. pandemic, uh, I was working for this large online school network where we were, you know, supporting a lot of kids learn from home. And the reason they learned from home is because they wanted more personalization, more flexibility. Maybe they were they're facing health challenges. And we found that that personalization of learning was really important to those families. You know, the child was learning at their pace. It wasn't like they had to wait for the teacher to teach them something. And I started to see how this was sort of like a glimpse into the future of education. Because when I was a teacher in the traditional classroom, one of the things I struggled with most is how do I deliver one lesson every day that meets the needs of all 30 kids sitting in front of me? Yeah. It's just, there's no way to do that. And every teacher who's listening probably has seen this problem in some form. Um, your children in front of you, the students are all at different needs, right? They, some are remedial, some are gifted, some are right in the average. And you're trying to design a lesson plan that meets everyone's needs. It's really hard. And so then we start talking about personalization and learning apps, et cetera. And what I found at this online school chain was they'd actually figured out how to really personalize the pace of instruction and the pace okay. of learning. But it led to all these other knock-on effects because kids were just learning alone at home. 
You can imagine kids were lonely. They weren't making any friendships. They weren't building social and emotional skills that kids need in in middle school and high school. Uh, Their parents didn't necessarily want them home. They wanted them to be elsewhere so the parents could pursue work or other careers. So uh, we saw all these problems. So the idea was, what if you could pair an online school with an in-person experience? So you could create learning hubs around the country where kids could come in person be around similar age students, but be learning at their own pace. The adult in charge on site wouldn't be a teacher, but they'd be a learning coach and they'd be coaching kids, right? They would be sort of saying, hey, what are your goals for today? What do you need in order to achieve those goals? Are you struggling? Are you doing well? And that coaching would change the relationship between teacher and student. It wouldn't be as adversarial as sometimes it becomes. It would be much more supportive. So that's how Kaipot started is this hybrid experiment to see, could I solve some of the challenges with online learning while building a brand new learning model? And then sure enough, I thought I'd invented something amazing. And then I realized this is what micro schools really are. Uh, and micro schools and learning pods had sort of really accelerated during the pandemic. Parents were coming together to uh, support their kids' um, pandemic online learning. And so um, the idea sort of grew from that. And so now KaiPod does two very separate things, but related. The first is we run 19 micro schools of our own in five states. So we have hundreds of kids who come to a KaiPod site. They're doing their own online school or online curriculum, but they're doing it in person. And the second thing we do is we help teachers and other educators start their own micro schools. So this is not a franchise where it's, you know, I tell you what to do, it's, it's your own vision. So if you're a teacher with a real passion to do something unique for your community, we can help you get that off the ground. Wow. Okay. That's really so much good stuff in there. So let me ask you about this. So the online learning, so you were doing this with a, uh, with a different company before. And what you found is that it, that kids were lonely and kids were, because so as someone who did, you know, collaborative learning and experiential learning for years in brick and mortar schools, and again, I have moved on this, but the previous version of me before the pandemic was really like, well, you've seen, I don't know, people would always say you've seen the research on online learning, you know, and I'm like, I haven't seen it, but everyone says it's not very good. And so, you know, we would have like in my charter school, we would have kids do like BYU online because if they transferred in, like we did biology in ninth grade and they would have done it in another grade or whatever. And so we would have these kids kind of taking up, making up these classes to, to get to our, um, you know, college prep requirements. And to your point, like they would really struggle to get to do well because they were just by themselves. And typically these were kids that were kind of academically struggling. Right. And so, mm-hmm. so in that, is this, is part of KaiPod the solution to that is like, they need interaction. They need in-person. Yeah, partly. And kids need support, right? Imagine trying to learn biology or math by just reading. Yeah, not having anyone to talk to. That's really yeah. difficult. Yeah. We had one parent, I remember back in the day, describe this as, you're trying to teach my kid to learn math by reading a cookbook or something. Like, it was like, <laughs> right? like it's really hard. Right. And kids need to be able to interact. They need manipulatives. They need conversation. They need someone to give them feedback on homework or assessments. So, uh, yes, absolutely. Like our learning coaches who staff our centers, like they're all educators. And they are truly providing one-on-one personalization to kids um, to help them internalize the things they might be reading or watching videos about. Yeah. Well, I think it's so fascinating. I remember in 2018, I was doing this long hike and you know, you kind of get into your creative flow. And I just had this vision. I was like, 
there's something about like videos and there's just something happening with that. And then right around that time, my wife and I were doing a parenting course and we were tuning in with this woman who's a parenting expert, like two days a week for an hour with 600 people across the world online. We had our Facebook group we, and then we had an uh, in-person meeting in Long Beach once a year, right? So we met everybody, but like there was this massive thing that happened with online learning, basically. Like I became a much better parent because I spent yeah. a year with that community, right? But there was like this yearning that I had to learning the social sport. And so I was like, there's got to be a hybrid solution. Like <laughs> there's got to be an educator out there. That's like, we know that learning is a social sport. And we also know that we have this massive opportunity with technology and zoom and virtual. And this is before the pandemic. And how do we marry the two so that we can really get the best of both worlds? So it sounds like that's what you're trying to do. Exactly. Yeah. We're trying to sort of reinvent how education is being delivered in, in, in using that as a lens, right? Like, yeah. Today in America, there was like 17,000 school districts with, you know, probably five to 10 schools per school district. Um, all of those schools need math teachers, English teachers, social studies teachers. Those people don't exist. You don't have an A plus math teacher in every single community in America. Yeah. And so what we try to do is we do, we try to make do with the best we can. And, you know, with no fault of teachers, they're put in a position to not be successful. And so teachers end up not loving the content area. And so when a teacher doesn't love their content area and then they're being asked to teach it, students pick up on that very quickly. Oh, yeah. Whereas imagine now if I'm a math teacher, let's say I'm in Kansas, I'm a math teacher and I love algebra. I'm a total nerd for algebra. And I create this really dynamic online algebra course. Absolutely. Yeah. It's available to every kid in my state. Right. And I'm the teacher and I'm like having fun with it. And I'm really in my element. And those kids can take that at their pace, but they're not alone at home. Now there's a learning coach who's, whose passion is not algebra, but that person's passion is that light moment. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like, that's better for the educators. It's better for the kids. That's the, that's the world we're trying to get to. Yeah. And it's, what's so smart about that and fascinating. So one of my guests has a micro school right outside of the Pine Ridge reservation in Martin, South Dakota. And in the episode, she was sharing how they teach the Lakota language to the kids, but she's out in rural South Dakota. So she's like, I can't find a teacher. And I was like, well, <laughs> I guarantee you there's someone out there who's looking for work that is an expert in the Lakota language and would love to jump online and teach your like eight kids or whatever, you know, like, and it would be such a good financial decision for them because everybody's winning, you know, it's not that expensive. And, and then you have someone come in from the community that maybe is not the actual teacher of the language, but can like talk about the, you know, the culture and all the things they want to maintain. Anyway, it just seems like a no brainer. And, but to your point, it's like, how do we break down the paradigm and get people to be thinking about this? And then in a funny way, the pandemic actually helped people feel more comfortable with what we're doing right now. Right. Like, yeah, but it also maybe set us back. I don't know how you feel about all that. Yeah. And yeah, I think it was more steps forward than backward when it came to education transformation, I feel yeah. like. And we talk a lot about the one room schoolhouse of olden days and why we feel like that was amazing or like why that work. There's, there's a way to sort of reimagine the one room schoolhouse we're bringing into the modern era, right? Like in that community that you mentioned in the Dakotas, you know, that one room schoolhouse could be staffed by someone from that community who knows those kids, but they're not an expert teacher in the traditional sense, right? They're not going to create a chalkboard assignment, but imagine you could pipe in a great math teacher, a great English teacher, 
um, in that one room schoolhouse with mixed age kids. So you get all the benefits of that community feel as well as that content. Um, and then that adult in the room is providing all the coaching those kids need. Right? So you have to break the paradigm. You can do it through technology. Um, and I think it's it's the pandemic has pushed the thinking forward big time on this. Yeah. So do you think this is the future of education that we're talking about here? Yes, very, very much so. I mean, every day I spend doing this work, I'm more and more drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm more and more sort of really deeply appreciating the power of micro schools. Now, I know they're not fully there yet. There's a lot more we have to figure out. But um, I'm often reminded of this quote. Uh, there's, so Jeff Bezos, right, the founder of Amazon, was asked like 20 years ago, what do you think is the future of e-commerce, hmm. of online shopping? And he basically said, I have no clue, right? I'm not smart enough to know what the future is. But what I do know is no matter what happens, my customers always want things faster and cheaper. That's true. And I'm going to focus all of Amazon's strategy on getting you things faster and cheaply. And that's what built Amazon into a trillion plus dollar business is that just very simple understanding. For me in education, you know, when you say what's the future of education, it's like, I think there's a similar answer. We don't know what the future actually looks like. However, when I talk to parents, they always want their child to have more attention and they always want that experience to be much more personal. Like I want my kid to be working on the right next math lesson for him, Absolutely. not the math lesson the average kid needs. Yeah. And so how do you deliver more attention and a hyper-personalized curriculum? I believe micro schools are uniquely positioned in a way no charter, no public, no private school could do. Yeah. And when I had that vision in 2018, the other thing that I felt like was that it was going to be a loose collection or maybe tight, tight or loose, but a collection of kind of like a grassroots, smaller schools, you know, like communities kind of taking back their, taking back their community, taking back their kids. And that the kind of behemoth of the school district was, was slowly but surely, you know, going to start breaking down and that it would be this kind of like grassroots movement. And I feel like that's what micro schools is showing us. And then the ability to, to leverage technology. And now I've seen some, I can't remember the name of the company, but there's a company that's doing their, they're used to the founder used to be in the charter space. You'll probably remember. Anyway, it's like they're, they're offering online electives like psychology and mm -hmm. other things. Um, and my understanding is that it's working in some ways and not working in other ways. But I think they're they're trying to do the hybrid thing. So the more people we can have trying out the hybrid, I think it'll be really interesting because it's just there's also a company called Mind Valley. When I started doing leadership coaching and kind of getting to the space of one to one coaching, that they have done a similar thing with hybrid, where they have an expert in like you know um, speed reading or flow or whatever it may be, like a world renowned expert. The parenting coach I talked to you about, she ended up being on there as like a parenting expert and they deliver lessons in like 20 minute segments for like 30 days or three months or something like that. And then you have an online community again, it's not in person, but it's leveraging like having the greatest teacher or someone who's an expert in an area, be able to, to use an online platform yeah. and then having somebody in person with them. is just like, I love it. And then not having an actual teacher because that teacher kind of hierarchy. And like you said, that, you know, my son's in middle school now. And unfortunately, what why I always worked against when I was in high school is that, you know, every kid's known well and you know their names and it's not the factory. 
well, he's in the factory, right? It's seven mm-hmm. classes, 48 minutes. And like, I filled out the survey yesterday and I'm like, academically, they're doing, you know, just fine. So I gave him good scores and all that. But then on the, like, my child is known or my child is someone to talk to. I'm like, no, like, no, no, highly disagree because he doesn't, no one's ever asked him a question other than like, did you do your homework? And so it's, there's not that personal, not only is there not personalization around the curriculum, but there's not that personal connection, which is what we know this from being educators. Like if the kids are known and seen and heard, and there's one adult they trust, especially in adolescence, it changes everything. There's so much research on this topic. I mean, just looking at the job of a teacher, you have, let's just say 25 kids in period one, 25 kids in period two, 25 kids. It's just like you, you see 150 kids a day, five days a week. You don't have the ability to understand each child. So you do your best. Yeah. You obviously focus on the, the basics of do you do your homework? And then maybe there's one or two kids we really get to know them and really get to understand them. But the vast majority of kids are not known. So then school districts start investing in family coaches and family counselors and people to like create a relationship. And then budgets get cut. And those people have a caseload of 200 families. Like it's all working against the wrong problem. Whereas in a micro school, if you're the founder, you have 12 kids. And you see those same kids every day. You get to know their families. You get to know the siblings. You get to know their favorite meals. You get to know when they're sort of in the mood for math and when their energy is a little low. You get to know their vacation. You just know everything. And then as that kid goes from one grade to the next, you're still with that kid. That's called looping. It's also Mm -hmm. proven to be a very effective strategy. So it all works well when educators can focus on a small number of kids. It all breaks down when educators have to be split across 150 kids. So we create all these other mechanisms to fix it when we're actually not even tackling the root cause. Exactly. It reminds me of the story. My father-in-law is a retired physician and, you know, they're, they will just, I'll just be direct. He's very judgmental of educators. <laughs> so when I first met him, he made the joke, you know, he's like, Oh, my wife, mar- my, my daughter married a teacher. Great. But, um, <laughs> but he, uh, he's like, my friend told me he was a teacher for 35 years. And he said, it's just crowd control. And I was like, so irritated when he said that when I was younger, but he's actually right because the system creates a teacher that is putting you in a place of crowd control. And if you're crowd controlling and you said 25 per class, when I went to my kids back to school night, brand new facility, so beautiful. And I told my wife, I said, you realize there's 40 desks in here. And so there's 37 kids in there. And so 25 is nice. Um, Anyway, so when he was saying that, I was laughing. Now I'm kind of like, well, I guess you're right at the end of the day. And what we have to do is kind of work against that. I remember years ago, I, you know, I did my grad work at Stanford and Linda Darling Hammond was there at the time. And she had been talking about like the 200 student high school and the 200 student mm-hmm. elementary school. So I know micro schools, I've asked different people, like what's the number? And some people say 15, some people say 150. Yeah. I guess we haven't totally defined it, but it's smaller, right? So, but to me, like we did 400 student high schools and I got to know, I taught the ninth graders. I would get to know all 100 ninth graders. Yeah. Like in the first week, I know all their names. I was always yeah. known about like, how do you know all our names in the first week? So by the end of the year, I knew them. And then the next year, it would be the same group. So I could get to know 400 kids pretty well. But like a 200 student or 150 student, that's even, again, if you break up the, you know, 15, 20 kids per adult, it's, um, it's possible. And it's it, it, to your point, like if you're creating this massive, you know, if you're going to a concert with 30,000 people, it just becomes about logistics and it's just complicated. But when you're saying like, we're going to do a small concert with 25 people, then all of a sudden you've changed the whole entire yeah. structure, right? 
my, my whole philosophy in education is it's about three things. Actually, let me, it's four things. People don't like the fourth one, but I'll mention it today. <laughs> Great. First is content, the thing you got to learn. Mm-hmm. The second is coaching, which is the relationship with the adult. Yeah. The third is community, which is your relationship with the others. And the fourth is childcare. Yes. Okay. Um, and obviously, depending on the age, the childcare is less important or more important. If you look at yeah. all four, in a large format, a big box school, the content is really hard because you, you need a, a perfect teacher for every single subject in every single grade. It's not going to happen. So you're not actually getting the best content if you put this constraint that the teacher who's delivering the content has to physically have a piece of chalk in her hand at the front of the board. On the coaching side, if you have 150 kids, you just can't coach 150 kids. We know that. The relationships are not being formed. On the community side, right, you're going from one period to the next period. There's different kids in every class. So that's not community. So the community you end up with is whoever's in the hallway next to your locker. That's not that's not socialization. That's not community. You're not building any depth. And then finally, childcare. No one who went to school or no one's kids who went to school said that was a convenient childcare solution, right? Kids are home at 2.30. They're off half day on Wednesdays. We're just closing randomly on these days or that days. Yes. We're not doing any of the four well. Why not revisit it? Why not try something different? Well, yeah. And as you were talking, I was remembering, you know, when, when I would recruit teachers for my charter school in East San Jose and they were typically working in big high schools and they would be like the drama teacher or the basketball coach or the avid teacher. And so they were basically mimicking a micro school, like a school within a school. Right. Like when I taught in Oakland, I was in the back in a portable. And I mean, these poor kids would come back there every day at lunch. Like we just don't want to get beat up today. You know, like they just wanted a safe space. And it was like, okay, we got a little micro school back here. Like literally I was on an Island at the back. Like no one ever knew I was there. The principals forgot about me. And so the kids would hide in there because no one ever knew where they were because they wanted to be safe. But what we were doing is creating like a smaller unit within this massive bureaucracy. And so if you could do that as your actual focus and you know, that that's amazing. Exactly. And the key wasn't the small unit. It was the relationship that that enabled, right? When you ask someone who is your favorite teacher, Often the answer is debate or drama yeah. or music. It's the stuff that happened after school. It's extracurriculars. It's the stuff where yeah. you got to go deep and build community and build an adult student relationship. That's the thing that people remember. Yeah. Right? That's usually who the people's favorite kids' favorite teachers were. And so that's what we were trying to replicate. You know, in our iPod sites, kids regularly tell us that so and so is my favorite teacher I have ever had. Regularly. It happens every week. And so now we know that it's that small group bond that forms that creates kids to remember and they feel seen and they behave. They, they put the extra effort in because they know so-and-so sees them. Yeah. And they can't hide behind a roster of 150 kids. Yeah. And I really like what you're offering. If I'm understanding it correctly, because I, when I went to your website, it was like, are you homeschooling? Are you a traditional public school parent or are you doing online learning? So you're offering kind of a twist for each one that's similar. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, the experience is once you enter a Kaipod, the experience is the same, whether you're a homeschooler or an online schooler okay. or a traditional parent. But we try to speak to these different audiences in different ways yeah. because their needs are different. Yeah. Right. If you're a homeschooling parent, you care a lot about the curriculum. You're really invested in leading. You're in the driver's seat for your child's education. Yeah. Kaipod for you is a supplement, right? Like you don't want us to like change the curriculum around. We got that. If you're a family from a traditional school, you actually don't know much about picking curriculum. You probably never had to do that before. 
And so you're now looking for flexibility, more attention. You're looking for different things. So uh, we've tailored KaiPod to be incredibly flexible so that it meets the needs of different kids and families. But essentially, it's about you pick the curriculum, the kids come, they get a lot of personal attention, and they're working on the right next thing for them rather than something that someone else decided for them. Okay, so if they're in the... Okay, so if I'm... Like for, I actually just saw that you have one like 15 minutes from my house. I was like, whoa, I didn't know that because <laughs> I've heard about KaiPod, but I never looked on to see if you have one. But so I can't remember the name of it, but it's 15 minutes from here. And I have a, I'm a parent of a traditional public school. As I told you, my son's in middle school, my daughter's about to be in middle school, fifth grade. And so if I wanted to switch over to this micro school, that's your partner. Yep. So now I'm going to the micro, like how does it all work together? Yeah, and I should also clarify, each micro school is very different. So yeah. what I've been describing is how our own company, KaiPod Locations, work. Oh, okay. We also have a network of 50-plus partners who have different models. Right? So okay. some of them are much more, um, every student is sort of working together on a project-based learning curriculum. There are some that are designed for neurodivergent learners who need a little bit more support. So each micro school is a little different. Yeah. But essentially, as a parent, if you're looking into a micro school, you should be asking, you should ask yourself first, what does my child need? Right? What is it that they're not getting enough of? What do I want them to get more of? And then you find a micro school that's tailored for that. It could be gifted programs. It could be neurodivergent support. It could be sports-based programs. I think that's the one that's near you. Uh, it could be- Oh, a, oh that's cool. I'll check it out. <laughs> it could be something for kids who love chess and Minecraft and they want to use that as like a daily enrichment. There's so many flavors of this. And what we're doing with our um, sort of micro school launch program is helping educators who have a passion for one of these flavors to say, go build it. Your passion is the number one thing your community needs right now. Go build your school. That's really great too, because I know that I, I remember meeting this, you're bringing up all these memories and stories for me, <laughs> meeting this kid on a bus when I was like just starting to teach. And I was probably like, I started late, like I was like 33 and he was probably like 22 and he was just out of Cal Poly and we were taking like the Greyhound somewhere. And he was like, I don't know what I want to do. I thought about education, but I was so, he's like, my public school is so uninspiring that I just, I can't imagine myself being a teacher. It just seems so uninspiring. And I remember saying to him, like, if you could just find the right environment, like we need more people like you. And so if people that have gone into a traditional system are like thinking about leaving the profession, this is a place where they could get really passionate and actually do something that they would love, right? And then you help them. Yeah, this is a, a really scary statistic that should keep everyone from in the White House on down up at night. 73% of teachers are not planning to be in the profession in the next four to five years. 73% of teachers. I believe it. And it's, it's just a miserable job. It's an uninspiring job. And it's not because they've lost their flair or they've lost their passion for kids. It's because they say that being in this classroom the way I am is not what I'm meant to be doing. It is not where I am going to have impact on this world. Right. That is somewhere else. And so we say to them is don't leave the profession. Yeah. Try to stay in the profession, but just think about a different way to serve your community. So this program that we have called KaiPod Catalyst, it serves educators who have sort of just made the decision to leave the traditional classroom, but they still want to help 
kids. They want to stay in education. And so we help them figure out what's their vision for education in their community. What is it specifically the community needs? And then is there an intersection? And if so, then we help them with all the aspects of starting a school, finding a location, doing some marketing, creating a business plan, raising funding, picking a curriculum, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's a thousand things you have to know. Right. And so we help you sort of figure all that out so that your passion shows up in that community. And then of course, and we've seen countless times when a founder who's passionate about a particular thing launches a school in the community that the community needs, parents flock to it. Parents say, finally, this is what I've been looking for. Oh yeah. And the parent part, you know, we haven't talked as, as much, but they're active participants in the school. And so it's just, again, because you got the intimacy because it's small, because they've, you know, found something that's really aligned with them and the values are aligned. It's not like the traditional school, you just drop off your kid and, you know, you might get one email a year or whatever, but I wanted to ask you, so I know there's other programs that are more like affiliates or franchises like Acton, or I think it's Primer, that one. And so those are different in that they're saying, here's the Acton box or here's the primer way. And then you're, so it's a similar concept, but the content is different because you're saying you're still, your founder is still choosing their passion. It's a different name and you're just providing the um, service of like training and supporting them to get the school open. Correct. Yeah. This, this, this is a huge difference between us and a lot of the other networks because I have a strong belief that educators have a strong point of view on what, how they want to teach, how they think yeah. kids learn in their community. They have that point of view. Yes. And that point of view is important to preserve, to nurture, to shape, but not overtake. And yeah. some of the other networks um, sort of say, look, we believe that we have landed on the best model and we want you to build it in your community. Right. Uh, it doesn't work. That doesn't sound right with me. And, you know, educators are leaving the classroom because someone told them how to do it. (laughs) So if you're an educator looking to leave the classroom for that reason, you're not going to jump to someone else telling you what to do. Yeah. You want someone to empower you. So we always say you're in the driver's seat. I'm in the backseat. I'm your navigator. I've got a map. Right. You tell me which way you want to go and I will get you there. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because being neutral to this, I could see both models working in different ways. Like some people would say. You know, maybe I'm the parent that doesn't know anything about education and I want Acton, you know, mm-hmm. or I'm a teacher who really is in line with what yeah. Primer is doing and I don't want to think about it. I don't, you know, but if you find the person who's like, no, I have a passion, I have a clear point. And you're right. Most teachers do, especially the really great ones, like especially a lot of opinions about yeah, right? how it should be done philosophically, like very strong opinions. And so you're, we would always talk about in my early days, we did consensus decision-making when I was a teacher at my first charter school. And like the amount of times we'd argue about philosophy or like guys were arguing about philosophy. So let's just get clear on the philosophy before we're talking about like the tardy policy or the grading policy, because all we're arguing about is what we believe about kids. And so let's have that argument, but not pretend like we're trying to decide on the tardy policy. And so, yeah, there's a lot of philosophical differences that just create so much waste of time. And so I think that's great to have the different options. And I love that you're giving people that full autonomy because I'm really into people doing what they really believe in. And and what we would find is if when we did consensus decision-making is that the people would sabotage subconsciously. So you all put your thumb up and you say you agree, um, or you do a vote as a staff or the principal tells you, and then 
everyone's like, I don't agree with that. I don't know why we're using that curriculum and everyone's just sabotaging it left, right, and center. So I can imagine that's going to happen with some of the more like, here's the model you're using. And then they're like, oh, well, I don't really agree with that point system or the badges or whatever. So I'm going to do it differently. And then all of a sudden you're just diluting the... You're diluting it. And, you know, it's not even like the educators doing it out of malfeasance. They're just like, it doesn't work for my kids. Like, I know these kids better than you do. It doesn't work or it won't work. And so who do you trust in that? You know, do you trust the corporate office or do you trust the, the teacher who knows these kids? I always lean for the latter. And so uh, the way I describe it to the founders in our program is I am full of opinions. I've done a lot of research. I've been in the sector for a long time. Yeah. I've seen more than 100 schools. I will not be shy about sharing my opinions. Yes. That's all they are. They're my opinions. You yes. ultimately own the decision. And so please listen to me, respect my opinion, but make the call that you feel is right. Yeah. Okay. I was going to ask this earlier before we went down this path, but I wanted to talk about that too. So that was really helpful. So, okay. So then there's micro schools that are not necessarily your branded, you know, mm -hmm. micro school, but you've supported them opening. Yeah. And there's one down the street for me. There is the Kaipod Learning Center. Yeah. That is not a micro school. Is that correct? Yeah. We're not official. There's no official definition, but you know, a micro right. school just essentially means a small learning environment. So yeah. yes. By so that definition, we are a small. Technically, you are, yeah, but but it's not. We are not a school, right? We're not. You know, you don't register as like a Kaipod student. You don't put yeah. that on your diploma. The way we operate is, you actually start by picking a curriculum in an online school, or you register as a homeschooler in your district. So that's what fulfills sort of the state or the district's obligations for schooling. And then you use Kaipod as a supplement, right? Kaipod then becomes the place you fulfill your social needs, your emotional needs, your childcare needs, your coaching, your community. Kaipod is that community. And if, if anyone's familiar with how we work works, it's sort of imagine that, right? Like, you know, people work for a hundred different startups, but they get their community at WeWork. Yep. Right. So um, same here. Kaipod students can be enrolled in 20 different online schools or using 20 different workbooks, curricula. But when they come in person, that's their community. OK, so I get it. So then basically it's, it's a learning center. So so for me, I if I wanted to go there as a traditional public school parent, I would have to either become a homeschooler or go to like an online charter school, an online something like some sort of on, doesn't have to be charter, but an online school where I have like either it's accredited or whatever there's you're not providing the school quote unquote sure. we provide lots of coaching to help you find that for your kid you know we don't think parents often know how to make that choice so we have a lot of one-on-one -on -one support to help you pick your school we have a tool that you can use to like find the top three options um and so once you've picked it then yes then Kaipot then becomes your support okay this is so helpful well i think we're going to wrap it up there i don't know if there's anything else you wanted to share that we didn't get to or any other kind of final comments you wanted to share? No, I mean, I think we've spoken very much to parents, right? Like if you're thinking of an alternative for your child, think about micro-schooling. And I would even just speak to educators. If you are if you, if you think the work you're doing is not the biggest way for you to have impact in this world and you're looking for something different, try try thinking about starting a micro-school. Uh, it's, it's a lot easier than you think. You can do it a lot faster than you think. And it costs a lot less money than you might think. Um, and so I'd encourage you to think about it. Just look for Kaipod Catalyst, uh, reach out to us. I'd be happy to talk to you personally um, to help you figure out if that's the right next step for you. Yeah, sounds great. And I think I love what Don Soifer said from the Microschooling Center. He's like, I started mine in two weeks. You know, it's like yeah, we, have yeah. this, we have this kind of notion of like, it's so complicated. Well, it's complicated when you need, you know, 
50,000 square foot building and a hundred teachers. But it's like, if you're talking about 12 kids in you know, a space, like it's not as complicated as you think. And there's support out there, like, like your catalyst program. So that's super awesome. And, um, this will be releasing before your deadline. We talked about this briefly. So you do two cohorts a year, correct? And there's yeah, one. We do, yeah, we do two cohorts a year. So if you're interested and you think this might be the right step for you, we have a new cohort launching at the end of February. And so applications for that cohort are end in mid-February. And so the application is relatively straightforward. We ask you to describe who you are and kind of what you want to do. Okay. Um, and then if you're accepted into cohort, you get the full amount of support to get your school off the ground this fall. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, having this great conversation today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Changemaker EDU podcast. Every guest and listener is a valued part of this co-creation. We're honored that you listen and we hope that this helped you in some small or big way today. This is a community and a movement. And without you, it wouldn't be possible. If you want to learn more about me, go to davidkrichards.com. And as always, if you're so moved, please rate and review the podcast. And finally, our greatest compliment is when you share an episode with someone who you believe will benefit from the message. Sending you immense love and courage today. Thank you. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet tier one standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve these goals. That's IXL.com slash B-E.